water, earth, fire, air, blah, 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 avatar. That's that's what we're doing today is Avatar, The Last Airbender, the Netflix version. I'm sorry to say for all you people who think we're going to be talking about the uh, cartoon. That'll definitely come up. How could it not? But that's what we're talking about today. Let's zoom into our medium shot and talk about the cartoon <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. Just to tell you where we're coming from with our history of Avatar, The Last Airbender as a franchise. I'll go first because I know you've got a lot more to say than I do. Uh, Ryan and I both saw this show as kids, I think. Uh, well, I definitely did. Um, I haven't seen it in the last 15 years. It was it was one of those weird childhood experiences for me because I feel like it may have subconsciously informed me as a writer. And I was just thinking about this this morning, about Prince Zuko specifically and his redemption story. And how that was always my favorite story of the um, of the cartoon as a kid, and it's probably one of the first things I can remember that taught me. Oh wow, maybe maybe bad guys aren't all bad. He he went after the Avatar so hard, but he he was actually a good guy deep down, which was pretty mind blowing. That level of complexity as a kid. It's a show that never talked down to its audience. Even as a kid, there were some pretty messed up stuff that happened in that series. And I know it's good because I haven't watched it in 15 years, but it still sticks with me. I was watching this show, and even though I couldn't remember all the characters or every event exactly, I could still say, oh, oh you know, I kind of vaguely remember that from my childhood, which is more than I can say for most of the stuff I watched back then. So it did it did definitely stick in my brain, but it's it's not something I was ever super huge on uh, after it came out. It was just, wow, that's a really good show I watched back then, and I've always liked it. Never had anything against it. Just never been one of those franchises I've gravitated towards strongly. But yeah, what about you? Yeah, um, so for people who have listened on the show before, this is my favorite. Uh, animation is my favorite show of all time. Um, grew up watching it, loved it when it was coming out, and I don't remember specifically if I watched the finale when it came out or if I saw it years later, just because I was around that age where you didn't really pay attention to like cable schedules, like you didn't really know about it. I definitely so I saw, it, saw live. it I remember that. Yeah. It was, uh, but I maybe saw it like a few years later. Um, yeah. I've just, every time I've gone back and rewatched the show, it's become like a comfort for me. Cause it's just so good. So many different storylines. The characters are amazing. The storylines are great. It's only three seasons, which is the perfect runtime for the show and for the story. I mean, it's there's nothing there's really no con you can say to the animation show and if people disagree with me it's on IMDb's like top shows of all time so plenty of other people agree with me as well it's just got this great tone to it as well where you have these three kids who are going on this adventure to save the world but they're also still being kids at the same time they're having fun with each other 
And there's so many different conflicts here and there. There's so many amazing episodes that set it apart from just even like adult live action shows. Like the storm was one of the first big major ones that really showed um, the backstory for both the protagonist and the antagonist at that time. And just showed the world like, Oh, this is, this is a great show that has amazing writers that fundamentally care about the universe and the characters in it. And it's some of the best television that's ever hit the TV uh, screen. So I love another it to thing, death. Yeah. I was, another thing I remember about it, which was weird for the time, was how serialized it was too. Because kids shows were not like that back then. They were all episodic. Adventures of the week. Status quo resumed at the end of the day. And... You could watch them all out of order. It didn't matter. Avatar was a show you had to keep up with as it came out. There was a trajectory. And it's like I said, they didn't they didn't dumb it down for their audience. Even I I don't know how old we were when it came out, eight, nine. And I still remember following it and keeping up with it. And I, you know, I I understood, oh, this is a this is a sequence. You can't just watch all the episodes out of order. There is a long form arc here which is another reason i think it stood out to me compared to every other show back then that was just more disposable this was a show that was leading up to something anyway let's get into our close-up and get what we're here to talk about which is the netflix version i'm not gonna waste too much time discussing its merits as an adaptation i'm gonna try not to anyway just because like I said, I haven't seen the original in a very, very long time. and Don't worry, I'll do it for you. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm not the best judge of how well it actually stacks up compared to the original. Although I, you know, obviously the original is, like you said, considered one of the best shows of all time. From what I remember from back then versus now, yeah, the original's still better. But that usually is the case for most adaptations. That's not a shocker. So I'm trying to watch this show pretending I know nothing about Avatar The Last Airbender. I'm just watching this new fantasy Netflix show. And did I enjoy it looking at it through that lens? Yeah, quite quite a bit, actually. It felt pretty refreshing in today's media landscape. I'll unpack that. <laughs> A little later when we're getting more into the plot but it just felt like not a lot else on tv right now and it was it was good fun it was just it was beautiful to look at great production values there um i, I think it's it's a solid show uh nothing mind-blowingly great mind you but i had a good time with it didn't get too bogged down by the fact, oh, well, I, I know, I know where, what, what this is in reference to, and it's inferior in every way. I'm going to nitpick every little bit of, I'm like, no, I didn't care. I just watched it and I, and I enjoyed myself. And I think at the end of the day, that's mostly what matters with entertainment. Do you enjoy yourself? And if you really like the original so much more, great. Don't watch it. <laughs> don't watch this new one. Just stick to the old one forever and ever. That's fine too. Yeah. Um, so 
I went into this with quite an open mind because of how the trailers looked and how the action looked. And as like a super uber fan of the show, of the original show, if you want to be a nitpicker and pick out all the little differences here and there and all the plot differences and the merging of episodes together, you totally could. And it is done better in the original. However, if you're going into it with an open mind, you'll still have a great time. Like, here's how I've, how I've been been describing it to a lot of people who are also watching the show, because I blasted through this so we could do this episode. If the original show is up here, right, the original animation, and yep. the tier. movie by M. Night Shyamalan is, like, down here on the floor, <laughs> it's all the way down there, getting squished like it should be. The Netflix show is probably, like, right here. Like somewhere in it's still in the high positives. His hand's not like still on the screen for this there. one for uh for yeah. our audio viewers. And then Cora is like right here. But we're not talking about Cora. Um <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I also enjoyed it as well. There were a few times where I was like I fundamentally disagreed with it, with the choice they made, but okay. they were trying something different. And it only had it was there was never a time where I was like, that's disrespectful to these characters. You you completely fucked that up. I never did that. There was only a few times I was like, I don't like that difference. I do have this a lot of nitpicks, which I think would just be fun to read off later on. But let's do, overall, you know, let's, uh, let's, let's I, start now. It's we're getting into full spoilers, by the way. You oh, people yeah. watching this show now ought to know that. But I would like to start with cons first because I want to end on a positive note. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Um. So the first, I guess, nitpicky con for me is like. The prologue and then Ains Awakening at the same time. Because, okay. I hate to start off like this, but in the original, you don't find out about Ains' backstory till like episode 12. You don't know why he's there. You don't know how he got separated from uh, the other airbenders. This is very So you spend, yeah, yeah, so you spend time with Aang for like 11 episodes, getting to know him personally, getting to basically fall in love with him and Sokka and Katara at the same time. But in the live action show, you just kind of, it's just shown right away. There's no mystery behind where his disappearance is and how the air nation um, got destroyed, which I'm to be clear, I'm fine with showing like the air nation get destroyed. I thought, you know, that was fine. It was still, it was, it was pretty dark and it set the tone for the rest of the show. I'm not a fan of separating the storm episodes because they do wait to tell Zuko's backstory to like episode six, which is the best episode of this season, in my opinion. Um, and I feel like if they waited a little bit more to do the same thing with Aang, then it would have been like a perfect episode. However, that to me, that's not like the biggest issue. Biggest nitpick for me is the first time Aang wakes up in this show, he's by himself and he goes outside of the southern, um, the South Pole. He sees a bunch of kids running around and he instantly goes over there to play with them. That's fine. And then Sokka yells at him. Sokka, I did not like in episode one, but you could also make the argument in the original show, he wasn't that great in the first few episodes as well. You grew, you grew with the character. Um, but in the original... When they find Aang in the iceberg and he slides down the 
the ice, the very first person he sees is Katara. It's the very first person he sees instantly become gets a crush, but also is like, do you want to go penguin sweat, sledding with me? It's, you instantly know who this character is. And that's just kind of an overall theme of like a con I have. They're really not building up the Katara and Aang relationship, which has me a bit worried and has some people theorizing that they're trying to set up Katara and Zuko because they've had sort of like more moments in it. And apparently like the Netflix Twitter at like shared a gif of Zuko and Katara at one point with like a scarf. I don't know. I, I didn't look into it, but that part's got me scared a little bit is that's a major con is that they haven't really set up the, I feel like the main three leads don't have that much chemistry because there's so much just well, like what, what neg- I'll say is negativity and drama going into the show. I agree with you to a certain extent. I think where they fall down on the trio is their relationship with Aang. I think Katara and Sokka yeah. have a good, meaningful relationship and they built that pretty well over these eight episodes there he's the overprotective big brother she wants a little bit of respect uh they kind of they're both lean on each other for support being away from home so much they're each other's um linked uh family and their shared history and that's important for them out in these unknown places they they look out for each other and that's that's a pretty important part um where I think the show fell down, though, is in their relationship with Aang. They set it up, okay, all right, I understand why Katara and Sokka want to help this kid. Okay, he helped them. They're kind of friends with him. All right, so let's let's get him out of Dodge here. He's the Avatar. We're, we're being a part of something important here. We don't really want to stick around. Uh, going back home will be unsafe, so we're protecting our tribe. All right. Let's go off with him. And then I feel like they spend basically every episode after that separated from Aang. Uh, Like when they're in the Earth Kingdom, Aang's kind of going off doing his own thing. He's doing his own part of the investigation, kind of chimes in with them. Uh, There's that they're separated all throughout the spirit realm. Um, And also when Aang's trying to find the information from Avatar Roku to help them out in the spirit realm, like they're separated for like one and a half episodes there. They don't even really interact much when they get to the water tribe because Sokka and Katara, they're talking to their own people there. Uh, Sokka and Katara, I think got a lot of good scenes together, Uh, but they didn't really speak to Aang that much outside the first episode. So that's why in episode eight, when Aang is in the, in the ocean, monster thing and Katara is trying to <laughs> Kaiju, yeah and Katara is trying to plead with his spirit it fell hollow for me because I'm like I well agree. like yeah I can understand like okay you're making the emotional plea but I feel like you've barely talked all season I thought Aang had more of a relationship with Zuko than he did with Katara and Sokka they got more moments together yeah they had a decent amount so of interaction the two on an even, eight even episode on an eight episode season, Sokka and Kantara in episode six have one minute of screen time. That's so for 12% yeah. of the, sh- the whole show, they're not there. 
So it's already smushed down from 22 episodes to eight, and you've already like mashed the two. So it's just like this way. Like I can tell you more about Katara's relationship to Jet or uh, or Sokka's relationship with Suki or or Yue more than I can with them and Aang. Yeah, (laughs) that's yeah. Or like Aang's relationship to Boomy, or his relationship to uh, what's his name, Gyatso, uh, yep, his mentor. Gyatso. Like they establish a lot of, or his relationship to Zuko or Iroh. Even they establish a lot of good relationships on this show. That's not my problem. It's just that the core trio doesn't really have a great um, relationship no, together. Not at all. And that's weird. It's so strange because they take. The way they bond together is because they are kids in the original and they go off in these adventures and they have a lot of fun. And so here it's more so it's just like, oh, Ains depressed because he got trapped in the ice 100 years ago. And how many times in the season did Ains say, I'm the Avatar and all this is my fault? He probably says it twice every every episode. It's kind of ridiculous. I understand. Okay. You're trying to appeal more to adults. You're trying to do a dramatization. But I think the showrunners or someone at Netflix said they wanted to appeal this to the Game of Thrones audience, which is a weird thing to say. But um, when you when you do that and you have these characters constantly just say the same thing over and over again, it makes it feel wooden. It makes it feel like you're repeating yourselves. It makes the acting really wooden. Like, I, I fully, I think... They should have given Katara more to do dialogue-wise because she felt like she was speaking so wooden and so basic that I couldn't feel like an actual real performance from her. She feels entirely different from the original show. She doesn't feel warm. She doesn't feel like she's the heart of the group. She's not very motherly towards Sokka and Aang. Like, they have no relationship with each other. And to me, she just felt like she was just there because Aang needs a waterbending teacher in the future. Which, by the way, he does no waterbending training at all in this season. Makes no sense to me why he wouldn't... Because he does. He trains with Katara when they have the waterbending scroll together in the original. And the fact that he just doesn't do it is kind of like mind-boggling to me. The book, oh, the, the, the season is, is called Water. It's called yeah. Book One Water. And he the does- The world is ending. It's all my fault, but I'm not going to learn anything new. I know it's yeah, all it's my just, fault, but I'm not going to do anything new. Okay, Aang. Great logic yeah. there. Yeah. The, it, it's, well, what I will it's say real, is- a little as annoying. A, as a, going back to your first nitpick, because I'm, I'm getting off on a tangent here, but what I did like about them showing- uh, Aang's backstory up top is that it sets the stakes early. You know, right up top that he ran away, all his people got killed, and he figures that out really early on. So we as an audience from episode one understand, okay, it's a story about with great power comes great responsibility sort of deal. He got scared of the responsibilities and ran away and there were consequences to pay for that. And it it sets it up very well this season. I think that it's what is the role of the avatar supposed to be? And can he live up to that? Even though he keeps trying to, he kind of wants to do it. He knows he's supposed to do it, but he keeps kind of running away from it. Um, 
but so he's getting all this advice, like this unsolicited advice from everybody, you know, Kiyoshi's like, oh, you got to be a warrior, do, do the hard things, uh, when it, when it counts and other people tell him, oh, well, you, you, you can't have friends. The avatar has to go it alone. Um, and everyone's telling him what he should be doing and he's got this inner guilt too. So I like that the season is mostly him figuring out his own path, which I think is a major theme for the season in general. Uh, Sokka and Katara get that a lot too. Everyone feels like they're supposed to conform to a certain role. Like in that, in the last couple episodes, especially a lot of people are like, oh, uh, Katara, like why, why you want to fight? You're a, you're a girl, go and be a healer. That's what, that's the role of the girls in this tribe. Or even in the Southern tribe, the girls didn't really fight much or be warriors. And Sokka's like, oh, well, dad told me I'm supposed to be a warrior, supposed to be the tribe leader, even though he's more naturally gifted as an engineer. And he, he spends the whole season feeling like a disappointment because he's being forced into a box that he really doesn't belong in. But he's sort of self-realizing, oh, well, I can I can do more. And Katara's like, oh, well, you know, I can be a water, a self-taught waterbender. I can take the old lessons and put my own spin on them. And even when I show off to the master in the end, he, he's impressed because I do things differently than he would have expected. And Aang's like, oh, well, all the other avatars are telling me how to be the avatar, but maybe, maybe I can do it different. So I think the, those themes of the season were really well handled. It's, you can everyone can tell you what you're supposed to do but at the end of the day you gotta do your own thing with what you with what you have to offer yeah, yeah. i think with like what they add like there's th i don't think the show for all the changes it's done it doesn't make it bad it just makes it okay it just keeps it yeah. from being great and i'm not saying for the people who want like a shot for shot remake of like the original that does nothing. That's then the creator saying if they did do a shot for shot remake saying that animation is a lesser form and we're going to bring it to live action just so more people can see it, which is totally not true. So they do have to make some changes with an adaptation because if you just do a shot for shot, what's the fucking point? You spent all this money just to do the same thing. doesn't make sense. But yeah, it's just like yeah. there's just little things like that. The one thing that really pissed me off, I'll just get out of the way, is when Aang and Katara are in the northern uh, North Pole, they're in that little, I don't even know what to call it, the volume building. That's where they are because the volume's everywhere in the show. Sure. And Aang's basically like, um, I, we, you, we can't be friends anymore because you're going to hold me back and I need to be the avatar and let go of my feelings. He would never do that. There's a main point in the original show where he's unlocking his chakras to fully control the avatar state. And the guru, Guru Patik, says, I, you have to let go of your feelings and your attachments. And he's like, I can't do that. I, I love Katara and I love Sokka. Like, they're my friends. I would never do that. And he just, in this show, he just fully accepts it. Because, and it kind of makes sense in this show, because we haven't fully established their whole relationship with each other because of how much they're separate from each other. They're just kind of companions with, yeah. with each other in this version. But to me, that is just kind of like, Ain would never 
in his life at first, his first thought being like, oh yeah, you're totally right, Kirk. I should abandon my friends who've traveled with me across the world just because that's what you should have done. Like the, the, it just felt really just like mean of aim to do. And he's not a rude character at all. So that's the one that pissed me off. Yeah. I didn't mind that scene too much. Um, Cause like you said, in the, in the context of this show, it, makes more sense there this really they establish ang as a very very guilty person who feels responsible for the death of everyone he held dear so on some level he thinks okay well all the other avatars are telling me i should do this alone and me and i feel responsible for for the people's death so okay maybe i should be pushing people away even if I care about them, especially because I care about them because everyone's after me and just being around the Avatar is liable to get people I care about hurt. So it does make some sense to me. I'm not saying that's what Aang from the cartoon would do. You would know better than I do, but I think they set it up okay. Not that it lasts very long anyway. They retcon it by episode's end. Exactly. That's why it's a pointless scene. It makes no sense. It's like, it's that stupid cliche, like third act movie thing where it's like the friend group has to split up and then come back together 15 minutes later to defeat the big bad monster. Like that stupid cliche 80s thing. It just made, it's the worst cliche that I've ever seen in movies. It's the, it's the, it's the dumbest thing, but yeah, that's was only like the really big thing that bothered me. Yeah. Mother show. There's other little nitpicks too that I could just <laughs> I could quickly go through, but I don't know if you have any. I think the thing that bothered me, the two things that bothered me the most about this show were the acting and a lot of the dialogue. Um, yeah, I thought the acting dialogue terrible was, sometimes. Well, see, the acting is a weird one for me because I was I'm looking at. Well, I'm I'm gonna be specific and say it's the main trio. Uh, and Katara and Sokka. Uh, but the weird thing is their facial acting, I think, is is great the the whole yes. way through. When I'm when I'm looking at their faces for subtextual information, they communicate that very well. It's just their line deliveries are very bad <laughs> for most of the show. It's because the script is bad and the directing of those emotions is bad because these characters aren't allowed to have fun. It's because they yeah, keep getting the exact same of the clones sort of exactly. Situation. And it's the same shit over and over and over again, especially with Aang. And then they just keep giving so much like, like whenever Katara speaks, she's always like, you're right, but this is why you're wrong. And her face does nothing because the actress knows the dialogue she's saying is the most boring shit ever. And she can't work off of it. And I feel yeah. so bad for her because I, no, most of these kids are fans of the original show. I know Gordon is, who plays Aang. I know Dallas is, who plays Zuko, who we'll, I'll, we'll talk about in a minute, but he's fantastic. We're saving them. Yeah, uh, but it's just like, and when they crack jokes with each other, I, I actually smile, like with the trio. And when they're allowed to have fun sometimes, I'm like, oh, yeah. there they are. But then when it gets so dramatized, I'm like, it just doesn't fit. It, it doesn't f- like feel good. Yeah. Like, even the banter, I forgive it because it's, like, the dialogue is often not good, but it's 
kind of awkwardly charming in a way. Sometimes it, it nearly feels like kids who <laughs> don't, um, it, it, they're just awkward kids, and, yeah. and it's just kind of like, yeah, I feel I feel like kids would have this bad a comeback in real life. So it's it feels kind of relatable, even though I can objectively say it's bad. Yeah, it, so it, I guess it, it's, it's so bad it nearly feels intentional. If you know what I mean? Yeah, it really feels, especially when like Ains on his fifth like drama speech of the like in the third episode and you're like they're really going for it (laughs) and the reason i think that is because some some of the scenes are are pretty good especially with the adult characters i feel like the kids got all the worst dialogue in the show and all the adult characters got some decent lines some decent monologues and philosophical musings and character drama it felt more mature in many parts and more engaging for me as a viewer. It's just all, it's all the stuff they gave the, the main kids was the, was the problem. But even some of the bad stuff was charming though, like I said. Um, so it's a, it's a mixed bag. The acting and the dialogue were, were not good, but also kind of weirdly charming in, yeah. in a way. It's, it's not, it's not bad enough to be off-putting, I'm just like, you know what? I can live with this. I I I kind of roll my eyes in episode 1 and 2 and then I just went with it and it's fine. Yeah. It's not it's not bad enough to take you out of the show. <laughs> you you just kind of got to roll with it. Um Yeah. Uh but in terms of the overall plot, I think they handled the characters pretty well. Everybody got storylines and story arcs and the overall plot of the show was handled well the uh the exposition drops were good they established the lore decently um i understood i did kind of get confused like i got confused what ain's goal was throughout the whole show i know from the original it's for him to get to northern water tribe to find a water bending master yeah. But he doesn't try to waterbend at all in this show, besides the giant kaiju at the end. And, okay, so in the original, the entire arc of the show, Sozin's Comet is coming back. Mm-hmm. The comet that wiped out the Air Nomads 100 years ago, it's coming back. And you need to master all the elements by next summer, which is only a year, so you can defeat the Fire Lord before the comet comes. They don't establish the comet coming back till the very and last this one, scene of episode yeah, 8. Exactly. They don't establish that. So here it's just like, oh, you're the Avatar, so you should just start mastering elements. There's no... Now, what I'll say is the, the only ticking clock. The, there was a ticking clock, and that is what you said. The goal was to get to the Northern Water Tribe. Because I believe it's episode 2, where they go to oh, K- yeah, Kiyoshi Island, and, and Kiyoshi shows Aang the Northern Water Tribe being destroyed, and she says, well, you might still be able to change this if you can get there. And then the rest of the show is just them trying to get there and getting detoured along the way. I think that's the problem with the rest of the show, though, is it doesn't necessarily feel super urgent because he he wants to stop and help everyone he finds along the way, which 
is a testament to his character, but it also doesn't help. They got that right. Yeah. Feel urgent. Um, this is an imminent danger. Uh, but that is one thing I did like about the show is, you know, that's a problem from, um, um, from the standpoint of, Ooh, I want the show to feel urgent, but it's also good from an episodic standpoint. Cause I prefer episodic TV. So they had an overarching plot, which I think they handled decently. And every episode went to new places, did its own thing. We got to see all these new, super cool environments. The set design in the show is beautiful, and they got to so good. show that off to uh, all the extras in their in their costumes. The, the costuming is brilliant as well. Um, just a lot of opportunities to see different aspects of this world, from bounty hunters to fire nation fire nation soldiers to the earth, the different kingdoms. We got to see a little bit of every kingdom. Uh, hear some of the lore about past avatars, the avatars role in the world, the, the armies, the regular people of the world, this different factions like the Kyoshi warriors. And just, we got to see a lot of the world in eight episodes throughout this journey. So yeah, so there are some benefits and drawbacks of this, um, of this format, but I, I prefer the way they did it. Okay. From the original? Just, no, as opposed to being a straight shot all the way through. Oh, like, no, yeah. I mean, that's what, yeah. like, yeah. Or, or I mean, that's the more, whole point. Or, make, or making it more blend in, like, you know, most most Netflix shows try to be like, oh, and the next episode will pick up exactly where the, left one, right, the last yeah. one left off. This is more like, it's one of the most episodic, traditional TV-like things I've ever seen Netflix do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's maybe part of the reason it felt refreshing to me because I'm not used to seeing this on modern TV. Yeah, they keep that part from the original pretty well. Um, yeah, I just felt like there was no motivation for Aang besides like, oh, the Northern, <clears throat> the North Pole might get destroyed, so you gotta you gotta go save it. But he, he just feels so unmotivated to do anything with water. Or yeah. any other element. And it's just like, I felt so unmotivated for him. And I feel like, and, and it didn't even have to be an exact replica of like, oh, Sozin's Comet's coming. It's just like, hey, you're the Avatar, you're back. The Fire Nation has been waging war on the entire world for the last hundred years. You gotta learn the elements. You gotta learn them and help everybody. Like, even that's a movie. And then you could have spun it. And I think they tried to do that. But he was just so depressed <laughs> and unmotivated to learn any other element that it never really came off that way. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think uh, Katara had a good arc about overcoming her trauma to be a good bender. I'm like, okay, sure, sure. You you blame yourself for your mother's death and then you have to work past that. I really like that scene when... Um, when Jet helps her overcome the trauma and then she finds out Jet's a bad guy. And then later on, Jet basically says, Hey, well, you know, I'm, you, you, you did what you, you're, you're good at this now because of me. She's like, no, it's not because of you. Yeah. I like that. I, I even yelled out. I was like, yes, queen. I, that's why I, I was like, yeah, she came over her own trauma. Idiot Jet. I hate yeah. Jet. 
just as even from the original. I don't like him as a character. <laughs> not that he's yeah. he's not poorly written. He's well written, but just I I every time he shows up, I'm like, ugh, I have to deal with you. <laughs> I didn't have a start. I didn't have a problem with Katara's arc until episode eight. When, like, yeah. even in episode seven, when she decides to take on the master, I kind of like her humility compared to, well, let's face it, a lot of other uh, main female characters in media nowadays would just wipe the floor with the guy or be super overconfident. Or, and she's just like, you know what? I think he, there's a good chance he'll wipe the floor with me, but I'm trying to prove a point. I'm like, yeah. okay. That, well, that's that in the feels- original as well. Yeah, I just I just kind of like that compared to how a lot of other women are written media nowadays. It's like, no, she's she's not the master at this. She's still yeah, she's still this scrappy upstart who's trying to prove a point. She doesn't expect to win. She doesn't win the fight, but she wins. She wins praise for trying. She she makes her point just from the effort, and that's more powerful story than her just being this undisputed girl boss who can trump any competition. Yeah, it's that's that scene is well done because it kind of ties into a lot of the scenes in the show where there actually are kind of not shot for shot, but recreations of episodes or scenes from the original, like the Paku fight. I really loved because a lot of the moves were from the original and then the um, like ice circle that passes Paku's face and he sees his own reflection that is Mm -hmm. shot for shot from the original I outright screamed and cheered because I was like no fucking way they did that and I'll now I'll speak about something positive even though I have a bunch of nitpicks the choreography and the fight and the effects are phenomenal in this show it's some of the like the bending is incredible the choreography is done with so much love the recreations of scenes from the original is so good I think the Uh, editing is bad the cam- I think the camera, work in the, the camera work and the choreography, yeah. super solid. I can tell it that. It saves the show. The editing, the editing chops it all to crap in many cases. Sometimes it's actually pretty fluid. I'm like, oh, that's, that's a great match cut there. Like, wow, that, that, was, that was really well done. You're keeping it kinetic here. A lot of times I just felt it made it messier than it should have when I can tell the actors and the camera guys are doing a really good job. Yeah, I love but, the fighting. I love the choreography. I thought I thought it was really good. But um, the bending's beautiful. Uh, the bending special great. effects are great. Yeah, there's sometimes where it's like a little wonky, but overall, yeah, it's it's stellar. It saves the show. It's like yeah. it's I, that was the, my biggest like concern with going in because we all know from like the live action movie that was terrible. Mm-hmm. Like the bending that was garbage. But here in the choreography is great. Like, do you not remember from the movie it took six people to lift a rock? Yeah, I recall. <laughs> like, what are we doing here? And firebenders couldn't, like, open. They couldn't control a flame from their hand. They had to get it from a different source. It's so stupid. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, I Sorry, I, I didn't. Uh, I realized I didn't quite finish my point. What got me upset about the last episode was that all of a sudden... Uh, they're calling her master and people are like going up to her like she's this great water but i'm like yeah you couldn't even you couldn't even live to drop out of a puddle in episode one and these people who have been in the northern water tribe openly training their entire lives see you as a master i'm like don't get me wrong you're clearly shown to be a natural 
uh, a quick learner and pretty resourceful for developing a lot of your own tricks. I understand that. But I don't think these people should consider her a master. She, yeah. She's an outsider who that's, is just is is just pretty good at water bending. But the master and that's the saying, problem. Why there's yeah. that's the problem with only having eight episodes to do to crunch in twenty two episodes from an original show and having yeah. no training throughout the entire season. Where you're she like, oh, like, now she's a master. So you're like, um, she barely took on Paku. Like she yeah. barely held her own ground. She's not a master. This version is not a master. She's and only I a master understand. to Ain because Ain's yeah. learning from her, not from the entire northern <laughs> like water tribe. Yeah, and it made me feel like okay, this is sort of now we're getting into like the anti Anakin Skywalker thing, where even though he's so great at what he does, the council was like, okay, we we grant you a seat on this council, but not the rank of master. It's it's unfair. <laughs> Why? Yeah. No one has ever sat on this council. That's and such not a been good a comparison. And like, That's so oh, funny. she's just this outsider who's really naturally talented, and they just call her master. You didn't earn that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You earned some respect for your raw talent, but enough yeah. about that rant. Uh, what about Sokka? Uh, I know a lot. I of hated people. him in episode one. Hated him. But to be fair, in the original show, he's pretty. He's almost about the same. As the live action, but he's more, again, he has more fun. He's more jokey with Katara, but he's way too serious in episode one. But as the show gone on, you got to see more of his personality, and I quite enjoyed him. I think that was part of the point he was going through this season was he was expected to be this serious village leader who protects his people. That's not really who he was. He was just playing a part. And the further he gets away from home, the more he can be himself. I know a lot of people were upset when they announced that they were going to get rid of the sexism aspect of the character, which, and I'll admit, I was a little worried about that too, because I find it concerning how modern media likes to whitewash all its characters. Like, okay, great. We have characters who are heroes. They do good things. They're mostly easy to root for, but why do they have to be squeaky clean? Why can't they why can't they have things that mo- a lot of us can be like, mm, yeah, okay, like I respect you for many things, but you're just wrong about that. Why can't we have that anymore? <laughs> why can't Sokka be yeah. a good guy and a little sexist? Especially because his arc in the original was learning to overcome that. It's like it doesn't make him a villain or an anti-hero to be... Uh, a little a little sexist and just be wrong he it's not like the show is saying women can't do anything men can the the show is actively showing otherwise he's just one guy with an opinion and he's proven wrong so why what's the harm in having it it's just it's a part of his character it's part of it's a flaw to overcome mind you what i was worried about didn't happen that being that they take away an arc like that and replace it with nothing. Uh, I think this show did a good job of showing that he just felt inadequate as as a person. He's not really that good a warrior. He's not that good a leader. He's not really that good at anything he feels he's supposed to do, but he is good at stuff like engineering and uh, and even being a big brother and a, and a mentor figure. He's good at 
some things and he's he's discovering that and I'm like okay okay you you feel inadequate that's that's an actual arc they didn't just take something away from you and replace it with nothing so I I'm still a little on the fence about removing negative character traits but I don't think the character was handled as poorly as I worried yeah I get that but also like I honestly did not care when they said they were going to remove the sexism because it's such a mid-2000s character arc thing to do i feel like we can move past it and give him a different character arc which they did however i will admit it makes the kiyoshi episode a little bit lesser than from the original where well, that's part he, of the point right yeah yeah and like the whole point of him learning from uh kiyo uh, the kiyoshi warriors especially suki who by the way they fucking nailed that actress is perfect she's great she was yeah she was um great. It's like he overcomes his pride and becomes humble. And it's like, oh, these women are better at me than fighting. I should probably learn from them because I really only learned from myself and my father. But I was like a kid when he left. So I don't really have any fighting skills. Uh, Here is just like he they both just stare at each other a lot. while (laughs) Well, she's either training or he's like got his shirt off and she's just like, oh, my God, it's a man from a different village. Um other than that, I think the Kiyoshi episode is pretty great. One of my nitpicks is I hate that she takes off her makeup. Yeah. Like right before a fight too. And I can tell they only did that. So the director is telling people, oh, that's Suki right there during the fight. They didn't want, they were like, oh, they're going to be confused if they don't know who Suki is. She doesn't take off her makeup till like season two. The whole time she's on Kiyoshi Island, she's got her makeup on because she's a Kiyoshi warrior. She, it's part of her armor. It's just, I don't know. It's nitpicky. It's not like a full-on con, but I understand why yeah. they did it. Other than that, they nailed Suki. She's amazing. She's great. Um, A change I did like, though, is them adding more past avatars to have a conversation with Aang. Like, the first avatar we talked to was Avatar Kiyoshi in this show, and yeah. I thought that was an interesting change because throughout the whole show in the original, it's just it's mostly Roku, Kyoshi shows up I a couple that. times and only Kurik and Yang Chan show up in the finale um, to give him some advice, but it's like one scene, but it's mostly Roku. And at first I was like watching, are we going to get no Roku? Because Roku is one of, I think the best parts of uh, season one. Mm-hmm. Um, but him talking to other avatars, I think is a, is a good change. I saw a tweet where it's like, why is Kyoshi so tall? She's seven feet tall in, in canon. <laughs> She's wow. supposed to be that tall. She's huge. Yeah. She was really good. Um, yeah, let's see. Let's see. Um, uh, the, I guess it was the volume. That looked pretty bad. It looked decent in some places, but like in others, it, you could just so tell that it was just like a table and then the volume. It, it's just, it was overused way too much. Yeah. It, the fully CGI scenes were always super obvious to me. The yeah. actual, yeah. Like when it, when there were real actors on screen, it usually looked good. But then there were scenes that I'm like, why, why didn't you just film this on the volume? Like even shots where they're flying in the air or something like you, you couldn't just have, done that somehow like more a little more practically or just had had them on the volume 
at, at a distance or something. I'm like, why, why do you have to CGI this shot? It, it's not something a person couldn't do. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Parts that were a little wonky. Um, I'm just going to blaze through my nitpicks, and then we got to get to the positives. <laughs> yeah. Bef- before we... Uh, okay, so I talked about that. Uh, I talked about that. Sock and Katara, secret tunnel. It's not about two lovers. Now it's about brother-sister love. That's stupid. Suko not talking about his honor. That They messed that up. Um, not a lot of Appa. They needed to be more Appa. I know he's a giant CG creature, but we all love Appa for a reason. Boomy is very different from the original. He's an old friend. He's not. He doesn't get treated like he's an old friend of Aang at all in the show. He's way too dramatized. He basically wants Aang to kill him at one point. It's it's the strangest thing. Uh, talked about that. Sozin's comment isn't a surprise. Like they somehow just know that, or he tricks people. He tricks people in thinking he's going to attack the Earth Kingdom when in reality he's attacking all the Air Nation people. It's good for like an adaptation, but like in the original, nobody knew it was coming. Like nobody knew about the comment. Nobody knew he was attacking. So the fact that it wasn't a surprise kind of threw me off a little bit, but that's just a nitpick. Uh, Seems like they're rushing a lot of original content to make a way for new story points later on. Aang dragging other people to the spirit world. He was like, Oh, my barrier must have been way bigger. That's not how it works. You have to like fully concentrate to drag people to the spirit world. Azula's fire, this is a nitpick because there's a slight millisecond where her fire turns blue right before she kills one of her trainers. I noticed that. However, it's still red or orange. Stop it. (laughs) It's supposed to be blue because she's a prodigy. Uh, Went over that one and I ran over that. Okay. That's all that. Uh, uh, A couple of my things. Uh, I thought Azula and Ozai were the weakest characters in the show. Because I'm like, well, you clearly, yeah, your motivations are clear. You just want to conquer, but that's it. Like, I can't root for you. Azula's whole thing is, I'm already the best, but dad doesn't think I'm good enough. I'm like, that's why saving him to the final season of the show was so detrimental to the original. I'm like, so you're, so Azula's thing is, I'm I'm already a a badass princess and I'm just mad because I can't be queen. I'm like, okay, you're so hard to get behind here. I can't, I can't root for you at all. Um, And Ozai is just, he's well-performed. Good actor. Doesn't really come across as more than generic bad guy who I understand why you need to take down. I don't really see what's special about him but he's not bad either he's just eh, it's like okay they're they're the weak ones. to be fair that is just ozai he's just yeah. a generic bad guy <laughs> uh i also had some problems with the setup for every fight i feel like every episode was like playing a video game through like there's like you're, you're playing through all the fun parts and then you get to the obligatory boss battle which didn't ever feel really set up. Like most of the episodes, it's just like Zuko appears at the end out of nowhere and has to fight yeah. them. And then, oops, they get away. Or he, he something happens to him. Like every single episode. I'm like, what, why did they feel obliged to make them fight Zuko or somebody every episode? It, it felt too formulaic. Uh, not very natural. Uh, as for bad things that's that's most of the bad um we could talk about more positive things now 
And my positive Zuko and Iroh are excellent. And Iroh, yeah. <laughs> they nailed uh, They it. were the best part of the original show, too. Yeah. From what I remember. Best. Dallas, who plays Zuko, is the best actor in the sh- out of the kid cast, I will say. 100%. Yeah. And uh, Paul Sun. Uh, Sun, Sun Young Lee. Sun Young Lee, who I've met, uh, playing yeah. Iroh, is probably the best adult actor in this show. Um, they're the, they're sure. great. Their whole adaptation from it is fantastic. Even the little changes uh, where they make Suko, it's funny. The nitpickers are like they made Suko too likable in the first season <laughs> of this adaptation <laughs> from the original because they're I guess they're setting they want him because everybody knows Zuko is a lot going. of people's favorite character and where he's yeah. going. He's personally my favorite character. Me too. Um. I th- I thought they did excellent. I could tell a lot of the choreography or stunts were done by uh, Zuko's actor. He's mm-hmm. phenomenal. Yeah. He's a great physical. It, it made me laugh one time. I think it was like the second episode is one of his line deliveries when uh <laughs> he's not on camera, but like Iroh says something, but and then Dallas just goes, but he ran away. Like he sounds so much <laughs> like a kid. I laughed so hard. I feel like that was intentional. It was done. It was so funny. That's it's like little moments in this show that make me that, that I did get a laugh out of unintentionally. Yeah, he. The thing about Zuko and Iroh is they're so complex. Like it, most of the mm-hmm. other show is like okay, Fire Nation evil. We understand that, but Zuko and Iroh, they're going after the Avatar for all the wrong reasons. But you also like them because Zuko is, he's clearly not a bad guy, but he's trying so hard to be a bad guy. He's kind of like Kylo Ren. He's like a better version of Kylo Ren. He really wants to be respected by the bad guys, even though he really shouldn't have to be. And even Aang's like, well, why don't you just, why don't, when you're Fire Lord, why don't you just do it different? And he's like, well, that's not, that's not how it is. I gotta, I gotta respect, I gotta get rid of the respect to my father by capturing you, and that's it. He doesn't even want to think that there's another way, even though he knows deep down there is. And Iroh is always constantly nudging him. Um, so he, he's just, he's a good guy deep down. And even, like, he does good things even unintentionally, like when he saves Aang. Like, he's not saving Aang to save Aang, he's saving him so he can capture him, but he's still working against his own people who he thinks are even bigger pricks uh like Admiral yeah. Zhao. It's like that okay. uh that blue spirit episode is probably my favorite in this live action. Um cuz it's almost it's basically a remake or like a retelling of the original. Yeah. And I love that they kept the scene of um and added on to it as well where uh Ain asked uh, you think if we met a hundred years ago, we would be friends too. I was like, that's such a touching moment. The original, cause the protagonist and antagonist having like a heart to heart for the first yeah. time. It's, it's a great scene. And then when, um, you see like Aang slowly break down Zuko's walls a little bit. It's like, do you use goat hide or blah, blah, blah for your Rabbit paintbrushes? Yeah. And then he like takes a few moments and then Zuko's like, goat hide because these these feels like he's the only one who could like talk to him about that he's like the only one who's trying to establish like a real emotional connection besides iroh 
I thought that was a nice yeah. addition. I also kind of like the the book. Um, that's something different from the original. And they, well. He stole the notebook, and he's yeah, I like love that how notebook. Zuko was about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like the notebook is not something in the original, but it's just kind of like a plot convenience for uh, the live action, so that they don't have to explain so much, or like the reason they have short episodes, and now they can have this book that just tells them everything. Like Zuko's obsessed with capturing the Avatar. He did so a bunch of research, a research and put in a notebook. I thought that was really smart. Yeah, uh, but I gotta love Iroh because I think they set him up well. He's the most complex character in the show because they set him up as this this general who disgraced himself, and he never. He's very interesting because he rarely shows his emotions outright. He doesn't tell Zuko how to behave or what to think or what to do, but he just he encourages tactfulness subtly steers him in a more moral direction and even when people are like oh you're the dragon of the west he never he never says oh well that's who i used to be i'm more of a peaceful man now he just he he just kind of takes it and lets people assume about him what they will and you can tell more about his character through his actions than what he says he you you can tell he regrets his former life and that he's uh more of a pacifist nowadays, which is why it was kind of surprising in the end when Admiral Zhao is gonna kill the kill the moon and he blasts him with fire. That's the first time we see Iroh outright uh attack some I mean, he kind of attacked the Earth Kingdom guy a little bit earlier, but that was a bit more yeah, it was just the, yeah, kind of a quick thing. The small additions that they make in the show that kind of expand the lore of the original are really good, like that Earth Kingdom soldier. Um, yeah. I mean, they had, like, some guys in the original be like, oh, this is the Dragon of the West, but here's this guy who has a personal connection to the siege on Boston, say, because his brother was killed during that siege, and you kind of see him, like, tear down Iroh for the mistakes, but he's too busy thinking about his son. Um, and during that funeral scene, it's so sad. You can hear an instrumental of like leaves from the vine wh- mm-hmm. while they're in that. And I'm like, oh no, it'll make me cry. Um, cause it's such a sad moment in the original, but yeah, just, I thought, and Paul's acting is so damn good because he conveys so much just through his face acting and his, his eyes. It's so well done. Um, yeah, I love Zuko and Iroh in the original. I love them in this show. I love them in comic books. I like they're they're the best relationship in this show. Yes, very much agree. You know, another thing that surprised me about this series was how brutal it could be. I'm like, oh, I don't yeah. really know who it's targeted towards, but they found a way of being. Not even graphic, but just very shocking without being gory. Like, there was that scene when all the people on the on the water tribe cliff faces are getting dragged down into the Destroyed. ocean. Yeah, they're like, they're falling to their deaths off the cliff face. The, the boats are smashing through the walls. Aang is the kaiju, is throwing ships left and right. He's like mur- mass murdering people. Katara's uh, mom getting burned. We don't see that in the original, but yeah. they like just full on show us it here. Um, or even Ozai burning Zuko's face. 
That was crazy. All, so many people. I was like, are they, uh, are they going to show it? Yeah. yeah. And a small There's thing too. They they there. actually they have they have Iro look away like they did in the original, and I was like, mm. so some pe- people care. All right, for people yeah. who are nitpicking this show, the people who are adapting it, they do care, and that's what I care about. They care about the small things. But yeah, that Agni Kai. At first, I was like, huh, he actually fights him, but uh, Dallas plays it so well where he still is very timid with fighting his father. Mm-hmm. Like in the original, he just outright refuses to do it. He just doesn't do it. But they were like, no, they kind of just want to show the fighting skill of Ozai. So he still is like throwing moves at him, but he's really not trying to hurt him because it's yeah. like his dad was. So they, that Agni Kai, I think is actually pretty, pretty decent. And there it sets up a little bit of he- what Ozai can do. Ozai slipped up and Zuko could have landed the blow, but he didn't. Yeah, and that was that was. And he gets so pissed. <laughs> I also heard that this wasn't a moment in the original show, but I I really liked it. Afterwards, when they revealed that that unit that he tried to dissuade Ozai from sacrificing was the one that got assigned to Zuko for yeah. his hunt for the Avatar, that was a great that was a great. Addition. I can't remember. I can't remember if they say this in the live action, but they said that regiment is a bunch of trainees. So I don't know if that's in the live action as well. And that's why he defends him the original, but having that uh, regiment be the crew of the ship. That's amazing. That's such a great addition to it. And then he gets his little, he gets the respect of them and he's walking down and, this is why I love Dal. I, I think he should win an Emmy. He's not going to, but I think he should. <laughs> He's walking down uh, them all saluting him, but yeah. he doesn't, he doesn't, he plays it off as like, he feels like he's gained the respect, but he's always almost ashamed of getting it because he still doesn't have the avatar. He's still banished and he still knows he's been a dick to these guys. So he doesn't feel like he's fully earned it yet. That's where yeah. I got from his performance. Um, I like that. I, I love that him, episode. Uh, yeah. I like that change in G when he figured out that Zuko did make sac- like such a big sacrifice for him and all his guys and save yeah. all their lives. And that's when he's like, oh, okay. He's not just this princely prick who mm-hmm. I'm forced to wait on. Like he's, he's got issues and I, I respect him more now. Yeah, for sure. Um, what do you think of Zhao? Zhao, I I like Zhao quite a bit. Um, I thought it was. Um, I started flip flopping kind of a, a little bit. It was unexpected. Well, not, not remembering the original too much, it was kind of an unexpected arc for me because I'm like, oh, he's just this random outpost captain that Zuko runs into, and arguably ends up as the main antagonist for the season. He weasels his way into an alliance with Azula and ends up becoming the the Moon Slayer as he so desperately wanted to be known. Yeah. And he he ends up just he's a captain in this backwater outpost and somehow becomes a threat to the Avatar and the entire realm. Um, so that was it was an unexpected arc which I I liked seeing play out. Yeah, um, he's a lot more timid at the beginning. Yeah. And he is from the original, which was like a weird change for me. Um, but then he slowly started becoming the Zhao that I loved in the original. 
Uh, I so wish there were so many more episodes in the live action, like two more, because we could really delve into Zhao's backstory a little bit. Not everybody needs a backstory, but yeah. And like in the original show, Aang meets up with John John, who was Zhao's old firebending teacher. Um, and he outright like refused to teach Aang at first. And then Roku appears and there's like, it's a great speech that Roku gives to John John. And then it's kind of like a lesson of firebending teaching between uh, the two that we don't have enough time for me to go fully into it. <laughs> but um, yeah, Zhao in this show, I thought was great because I think the actor nailed his obsession with his like legacy or his ambition. Like Zhao is obsessed and way too ambitious. He wants to be more popular than the fire Lord than the avatar. And I think they did great. The final episode I think did a really good job with adapting from the original, especially mm. with like the lighting team. I mean, when the yeah, that moon really, goes that was black and white, but there's still like, it's ripped straight from the original and there's still like fire shots lighting up the sky and then color comes back for a little bit. I thought that was amazing. I cannot believe they did. They took time and effort to do that. It was so well done. I the thought it was lights up amazing. The corner of a screen. Yeah, it's just where insane. the lights in the back. It's cra- I cannot believe they did that. I thought it was amazing. Another thing I thought was amazing was the score in this show. Yeah, it was pretty good. Like even when I was rolling my eyes at some stuff from episode one before I settled into it, the score was a major standout for me. Like, wow, this is beautiful. It's epic. It's really sets the mood. Gets me. Locked into this thing makes it feel like a grand adventure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, really well done. A lot of it is from uh, like a little bit here from the original, but I think it's also I it would be it's um, expanded upon a bit more. I do miss the uh, whenever it's a Zuko fight, like the classic like drumming, like that that you hear in in the credits. Um, there's usually that as well whenever Zuko appears from in the original, but eh, it's fine. Um. Let's see. What's in my notes? Oh, yeah. Abed is the mechanist. Great casting Daddy choice. <laughs> yeah. He's amazing. As soon as I saw him, I freaked the fuck out. I clapped. I didn't recognize him at first because he had that giant beard and he was kind of doing a voice. And I'm like, is that, is that Danny Pudi? Oh, it is. That's awesome. Yeah. I thought oh, it was Oh, by the great. way, I have to shout out the, uh, the kid who played Teo. I think he was the best child actor on, on this show. I thought he did a really yeah. good job. Where's he from? Because I recognized I him from something. I have no idea. Oh, my gosh. Hold on. I'll find it. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Who, whoever he was, he um, he was the most impressive actor of that age. Yeah, he was, uh, he was, he was pretty, pretty good. Uh, apparently, uh, George Takei was Ko the Face Stealer. What? I did not know that. Yeah. That's interesting. Wow. How do you spell Teo? <laughs> I think it's T-E-O. T-E-O. No, not two. All right. This is going to take a while. Um. Oh, ah, well. yeah. Yeah, he was on Wizards of Waverly Place. That's why I know him. Daniel Simona's. That's where I know him from. He was on Wizards? Yeah. He, uh, so is he a lot older than I think? What the fuck? Hold on. Oh, no, it's 
giving me the animation guy. Like Wizards is circa the original Avatar. Hold on, hold on, hold on. You come up with something to say and I'll figure this out. Uh, Well, if you have any other... If you don't have any other notes, I can move on to the question of the week while you're figuring this out. Um, or just wrap let's up. See. Start wrapping up. Oh, June. I freaked out when I saw June, the bounty hunter. Ah, she's yeah. great. She has like kind of like a whole... She's only like two episodes of the entire show in the original, but she's such a badass. I yeah. I love her, especially the sheer shoe. Um. Kind of sucks that she was just kind of a device for the Fire Nation to capture. But if you're shrinking a season, um, it's fine. It's not a, it's not the worst thing. Yeah. Um, oh, come on, IMDb. Help me out here. Oh, here we go. Lucian River Chowchin. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm going to butcher this. Um... Maybe he just looked like... Oh, he's not in much. He's only in six things. He's a relatively new actor. Never mind. He okay. looked very familiar. Might have just been the goggles. Anyway. Hmm. Yeah, well, uh, any more to say on this? Uh, overall, as an Uber Uber fan, I've enjoyed this show. I'm excited for season two because it is arguably the best season. Has of, it been uh, confirmed? I don't know. It'll probably happen, though. There's so much time and money spent in this. Um, I'm uh, going to assume it is because it's it's kind of c- receiving mixed reviews, but it's not receiving so Re- many like shitty reviews that they're just going to outright cancel it. Reviews um, don't matter. It's viewership. Yeah, it's viewership. It hasn't been it has not been officially renewed yet, but um, concerning. OK, I'm just going to assume it is. I would like to see it continue. It only needs three seasons. Yeah. It's not like it doesn't need to run forever. Just get it to three. I think there's more good things than bad if you're not trying to be too nitpicky. And if you are being too nitpicky, the original show still exists. So. And I still think the bad in this show is kind of like the prequel trilogy. I'm mm-hmm. like, yeah, I acknowledge it's got many of the same flaws as that trilogy. Don't care. Nothing still is too right, it. outright disrespectful. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's uh it's a good show. It's um Yeah, I think it's a decent show in its own right. I don't know if I'd introduce someone who's never watched Avatar to watch this unless the point was like, okay, watch watch this show just cuz it's new and you haven't oh, been you spoiled wanna... on anything yet. I have such a funny story. So I know someone who introduced their partner to this universe by showing them the movie first. Oh no. And then they watched the show cuz they knew the show a little bit before and then they yeah. watched the first season of the show and then they were like that was so much better. Like even just from like not knowing anything, it that movie is just a bad movie. Yeah. It's just not well acted, choreographed, like it's just a bad movie and then they saw what could happen in the show and they were just furious. And then I, I remember talking and be like that was a uh, risky play. It's like, yeah, but it was kind of funny. <laughs> Definitely risky. Yeah, I, I, I enjoyed it. It was, is decent, and I look forward to a uh, season two. So I, I don't know if you had a question of the week, but I, 
I came up with one that I don't even have an answer to yet, frankly. Yeah, go ahead. What element would you bend? Ooh. Oh, wait. I did have one, and that was my question. So there we go. Um, oh, it's so tough. I feel like, personally, I would want to be a firebender, but I could also I like see, like, earth bending as well. I feel like you're a fire stubborn. guy. You got mm. the red behind you. That's true. You're wearing red headphones. You're, uh... Yeah, I de- I I go fire. You like bending. the rage. You like the rage and the rants and the. Mm-hmm. If I couldn't do fire bending, I would go earth bending for sure. You have you could just I could be like Toph and make a permanent shelter anywhere. True, but also fire bending is just is cool. I like fire bending. You know what's I funny? Be- I saw a. <laughs> it was Gordon and I think it was the Sokka actor who um. I can't remember his name, but uh, they were doing like a behind the scenes, like press tour conversation. And yeah. Gordon said something like airbending's the best. It's so overpowered. Why wouldn't you want to do it? And then so- the Sokka guy goes, where are all your homies at then? <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, Jesus. <laughs> good call. Good, good call. Good call. <laughs> I'd probably be uh, a, I'd probably be a waterbender or an earthbender. I feel yeah. like earth bending. I, I like the idea of earth bending because it's it's in tune with the ground. The ground is kind of everything. Your power is just the earth. Everywhere you everywhere you walk, you can use it. Uh, like you said, you can build the structures. They talk about how how beautiful the Earth Kingdom architecture is because because it's it's all solid stone. Um, but I also kind of like the idea of water bending because I'm generally I feel like I'm a pretty go with the flow sort of person. Be like water. Uh, it's like I don't remember what Bruce Lee said exactly about it, but he he had that <clears throat> that quote about water be be water. Uh, water shapes to anything. If it's in a cup, it becomes a cup. If it's in the ocean it just flows freely it just it expands to anything um yeah i feel like water so I, wouldn't I like be that as idea. powerful though if it didn't uh if it didn't heal people it's got you know blood I mean? bending too that's true that's a thing right yeah i can tear you apart from the inside yeah but you wouldn't want to do that actually but no I you could. would you sh- <laughs> you shoot from a distance in our D and D campaigns, <laughs> six hundred feet away, <laughs> no disadvantage. <laughs> Every time you tell that to other Joe, he's like, "God damn it!" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I'm also wearing blue. Blue's my favorite color, so I think I gotta go waterbender. Red's my favorite color. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Oh yeah, I forgot these guys were up here. I should show them again. <laughs> Our own Zuko. Right. The best relationship, father, son, slash uncle, nephew ever yeah. in television. I really love that moment when Zuko turned Iro and he, he said that um I think I think your son would be proud to have you as a father. Yeah. And Iroh just gave him a hug. Mm-hmm. That was kind of him. That was a nice way of him being like you're you're a father. You're a better father to me than my father without spelling it out. Yeah. Which makes me interested to see what happens in season two or if it does happen. 
um, mm-hmm. because he goes through like this whole metamorphosis in the original because of how angry and driven he is in season one. And then he, mm-hmm. then he becomes a bit more nicer. So it's going to be interesting to see how they. I don't want to spoil the original. Never mind. <laughs> I just went on this whole thing to like, there is a huge twist at the end of season two. Uh, that suit that happens with Suko and Iroh that uh, is going to be interesting to see how they adapt in live action or if they do. Let's just say that. All right. Well, that's that. I think unless you got more to see. Nope. You can right. find me at Ryan Walker official on YouTube, TikTok, and on Instagram. You can find me on Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook at Thoughtplay Media. Also, check out the Close Up with Ryan and Show Facebook page for latest updates on the show. If you listen to us on audio, check out our YouTube channel. And if you're on YouTube, find us anywhere you get your favorite podcasts. We hope to see you on the next Close Up with Ryan and Joe, where we discuss the benefits and pitfalls of adaptations of just media in general. Till next time. Take care.